louder. Camera exploitation, your guide to exploitive cinema. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my doppelganger, Kenya Banger, from down under, Mr. Brody Kane. Howdy, howdy, mother lickers. And the man slicker than come on a gold tooth, Mr. Slick Nick. Welcome, welcome. We have a doozy of an episode for you today. But first, it's time for your slice of life. Brody, tell them how it went. Yeah, no, not too bad this week. Had a pretty fucking interesting week, of course. Um, you know, I've been listening to a fuck ton of podcasts lately. Um, uh, Michael Rosenbaum's podcast is absolutely fucking fantastic. I didn't think I would like it as much as I do, but that mother liquor gets right, per- like, it gets deep and personal with the guests he has on, and he has some fucking awesome guests. So, yeah, been listening to that, some video archives, uh, the latest Tarantino release. I didn't know anything. Oh, I didn't even realize it even got released until Mr. Bowser fucking told me about it, and it was a good fucking listen. Enjoyed that. Been listening to a lot of Doug Bradley content too lately. I don't know why. Just all of a sudden got the fix for Pinhead talking about Hellraiser and God knows what, but... I'll quickly uh, tell you this fucking interesting story that happened to me this week at work, and I've sent TJ a Snapchat of it, so he kind of knows oh. about it. So I rock up at the Sheila's house to do a job for her. She's got a broken window, yada, yada. I'm outside fixing the window. A bit of glass falls down behind her bed head. I reach in to grab the glass, and I look down, and at the bottom of my feet was a box, and inside that box was a purple dildo and a purple toothbrush to match. <laughs> So it's kind of got me stumped why the fucking toothbrush is there. I've been conjuring up all these fucking different ideas. Was it an electric toothbrush? No. No. And it wasn't a normal dildo. It was one of those like two-prong fucking looking things. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like E.T.'s fingers. (laughs) And um, (laughs) it's... uh, So anyway, anyway, fucking, so I get the job done. Anyway, I go and see her at the front door to let her know that the job's done, yada, yada. And I said, oh, look, just before I head off, I've got to tell you, uh, a bit of glass fell down behind your bed there. I'm not really uh, keen on grabbing it. And she sort of looked at me as if to say, well, that's your fucking job. you got to grab it. But anyway, she's like, I said, uh, have you got, if you got it, your vacuum there, just sort of um, put it behind your bed and pick up uh, what's behind there. And she goes, yeah, no worries. I'll, um, I'll grab that. And then she sort of stopped, looked at me and turned bright red and the shock on her face was absolutely fucking hilarious. Oh, no. And then I smiled and winked at her and said, no worries, love, I'll catch you later, and just left. And she just slowly shut the door, and, oh, fuck, it was one of the greatest things I've ever witnessed. It was so fucking funny. It was like she was putting it on show for me. It's like, oh, look, this is what I use, and here's me toothbrush. Still trying to figure out the fucking toothbrush, though. I don't know if she cleans it with it, or she might use it on her partner, you know, it's a bit of a 69 twist. He uses it that on her, and she uses that on him. Who fucking knows? I don't, yeah, it's just oh. interesting way. No using that toothbrush the right way, then. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird that they were color-coordinated, too. So. <laughs> um, literally, like, they were the same fucking purple. Yeah. Oh, no. I can confirm I've seen pictures. <laughs> Yeah, I said I even posted Fuck. it in the group, so Nick, you'll be able to see the video. Oh just, God! I'll send I'll send you the video. I've got a video okay. of it. <laughs> okay. Anywho, um, yeah, that was my fucking week. It was your week, Nick. <laughs> a little less eventful than that, I suppose. Uh, I didn't have like the the busiest day I've had in years today at work. So like, man, I'm 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 dead right now. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, I have actually gone to the theater more often, uh, more recently than I have in a very long time. I actually oh, yeah? saw two back to back movies. Uh, on each weekend. Um, 
So I, I went to go see uh, with my buddy Jason. I went and saw the new Dragon Ball Super uh, superhero movie. That's just about like Piccolo and Gohan. That was pretty good. Uh, I did not realize that it's like the one of the most highest grossing Dragon Ball movies. Now uh, it it was pretty good. I, I really liked it. It takes a little bit of getting used to like the 3D animation style. Um, I don't believe Super the show is animated in the same way. I think it's the like traditional. 2D style, but I left off at like Z and was a bigger fan of the original 80s Dragon Ball as a kid and everything. So this is the first like Dragon Ball movie I'd seen in forever. But Super was fun. Uh, the 3D animation does not lend itself to the whole like dialogue in Dragon Ball, where like the the lip sync does not mm. match what they're saying. You, you can get away with it in 2D, I think, but like in 3D, it's just that much more uncanny valley. But the fight scenes are actually extremely cool. Um, if you like Dragon Ball, you'll like that. Then I did a complete 180 i went to go see that one with uh jason and then a week later uh just by myself i went to go see top gun maverick mm. Ooh, holy shit that was fun yeah that was the first time in probably two years i've gone to the movies just by myself like i went to go see Zombieland double tat by myself when that came out i went to the same theater this time to go see maverick and it was a mostly empty theater it was basically just me and like a small handful of other people who made like no noise I may as well add the thing to myself. It was amazing. Um, I am a massive plane nerd, <laughs> so I just had fun with that. It was cool to see that they actually did something um, interesting with the original. Uh, it was cool to see that it was a sequel and not a reboot. The whole thing was extremely fun. Anyone could have fun with it, even if you're not a massive fighter plane nerd like I am. Um, but I would highly recommend seeing it in theaters, if at all possible, rather than watching it at home with like headphones or something, unless you are one of those people as a giant hi-fi system that's going to rattle your entire home when the jet goes past because nothing beats the feeling of like you're in the theater tom cruise does some high g turn in a plane and you can feel the rumble in your like sternum it's it's amazing but yeah so that's pretty much what i have done since our last recording uh tj what you been up to buddy Wait! As I say often on here, podcast here, podcast there, podcast everywhere, but my comic book is reaching its final stages here now, so that'll be wrapping up very soon. I got a Vinegar Syndrome order in, which was actually really nice because they took all three of my orders in from last month, compiled them into one, and I got a big old box, and then my gift from Brody, which was, uh, well, one of my gifts from Brody, which was an art print, came in the other day, and a really cool Vincent tube, which I've never seen before, so that was really rad. I took my fiance Sarah, to go see Jaws in IMAX the other day, and that was... Ooh quite the experience and because of that she now feels motivated to do other things like that with me so thursday we have tickets to go see gaspar noe's film vortex that has dario argento oh. in it uh i'm you guys know more than anybody else <laughs> the sheer excitement that i feel inside i am hyped to say the least uh but that's coming thursday i was looking at some scream factory movies those came in uh, i got dog soldiers child's play 2 and then they did this awesome yeah. roger corman double feature of final judgment and strip to kill and i love those movies especially strip to kill and brad duroff has a really interesting performance in final judgment so if you guys have uh access to those films or any of those films or even want to purchase that i highly recommend that but i was treated to a wonderful film today and that is this week's pick and that is snake eater 2 the drug buster from 1989 drugs are america's number one problem and children are dying Soldiers seen enough. Now, Snake Eater's back, and he wants revenge. Armed, dangerous, and deadly, he's going after the kid killers. Soldiers on a mission with a ghetto kid for a partner. Lorenzo Lamas, Larry B. Scott, Snake Eater 2, The Drug Buster. 
And that is from director George Ershbaumer, who also did Final Round in 1994, Hardball in 1997, The New Addams Family from 1998 to 1999, the TV show, and Stranger in My Bed, a TV movie from 2005. Cinematographer Glenn McPearson, who did Trick or Treat in 2007, Rambo in 2008, and Resident Evil Afterlife in 2010. Music by John Mazzari, who did The Wizard of Speed and Time in 1979, Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 1980, and Retro Puppet Master in 1999. Production design, John Megan, who did Power Games in 1989, Going to Kansas City in 1998, and No Alibi in 2000. Costume design by Susan Fairland, who did The Return of Tommy Ticker in 1994, Dancing on the Moon in 1997, and These Girls in 2005. Art direction by Donna Noonan, who did Little Men in 1998, When Justice Falls in 1999, and Longshot in 2019. Special effects coordinator Ryle Cosgrove, who did Slow Burn in 2000, The Covent in 2006, and Arrival in 2016. Any villain you? Yes. Editing. Jacqueline Carmody, who did One Night Only in 1984, Primary Motive in 1994, and Queen's Messenger in 2001. Brody, did we find a budget on your disc? Unfortunately not, and I actually did look for this. Um, I could only imagine it being a little bit more than the first film. I don't even know if we... Did we actually get a budget for that fucking first film? I don't think, but as you guys notice, it is made the same year as the first film, so one could assume they were made back-to-back, so they would have similar budgets. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I would, uh, yeah, I think actually, maybe in the notes, I'm not entirely sure, but Lorenzo might actually state the budget or he, he'll just say, you know, um, it was a lower budget or a bigger budget, whatever. Um, really fucking. Further research yeah, is I've, needed. I've got no, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll get back to you on that. Speaking of Lorenzo, starring Lorenzo Lamas as Soldier Kelly. Soldier! Who starred in Final Impact in 1992, Gladiator Cop in 1995, and Black John in 1997. Michelle Scarbelli as Dr. Pierce, who starred in Airwolf in 1987, the TV show, Alienation in 1989, the TV show, and Star Trek The Next Generation in 1991, the TV show. Larry B. Scott as Speedboat. You may know him from Revenge of the Nerds in 1984 as Lamar, Extreme Prejudice in 1987, or Fear of the Black Hat in 1993. Harvey Atkin as Sidney Glassberg, who starred in Silver Streak in 1970. 76, Funeral Home in 1980, and Visiting Hours in 1982. Can't wait till we do that film. Jack Blum as Billy Ray, who started Meatballs in 1979, Happy Birthday to Me in 1981, and Exotica in 1994. Ron Palillo as Torchy, who starred in Surf 2 in 1983, a Vincent release. Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives in 1986, and Hellgate in 1989. And last, but certainly not least, Kathleen Kinnamont as Detective Lisa Forrester, I believe... She was Lorenzo's lover at the time. Yes, that was his wife. You may know her from Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers in 1988, one of Brody's favorites, Bride of Reanimator in 1990, and Renegade in 1992-1996, the TV show, the great TV show that is. Brody, I've got a special plot for you to read. Soja Kelly's not your ordinary cop. He's a short-fused, high-powered ex-commander who's not above breaking the law to bring a criminal down. Lorenzo Lamas returns as Soldier Kelly, the Snake Eater, back to battle a deadly ring of drug kingpins who are killing young kids with poison drugs. With the help of a streetwise sidekick named Speedboat, the Snake Eater gets ready for combat. And this time, Soldier takes no prisoners. Awards! We didn't win any, but it shoulda, coulda, woulda, motherfuckers! Boys, let's get physical! Okay, so this release is the same as the last episode we did about Snake Eater and it is from NSM Records. <laughs> NSM Records and it was released March 26, 2021. Features three movies released from 1989 to 1992. Runs 279 minutes. Rated FSK 18. It is a German release, Brody. That would be correct, Mr. Yes. Bowser. And it is region B locked. Brody actually has a copy because he bit the bullet and got it so we could do these films, of course. So Brody provided us with a little information uh, as follows. Dutch DTS HD and Dolby Digital 2.0 English DTS 
HD 2.0 and Dolby Digital 2.0 sound mixes, Snake Eater 1, 2, and 3 trailers, Snake Eater 1, 2, and 3 featurettes with Lorenzo Lamas. Are those just interviews with him about each film individually? Yes, pretty much. Okay. Uh, DVD version. So do they come, is it a Blu-ray and a DVD combo for each film? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, okay. And then a 24-page booklet, which I guess provides you some behind-the-scenes information. Absolutely, but I cannot, unfortunately, read it because it's all in German. Ah, German's uh, one of uh, the five languages Brody doesn't, so. Uh, <laughs> yes. So I could read 5% of it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> My grandma mostly taught me swears. <laughs> but luckily, we were able to watch all the Lorenzo stuff and dig up some information about it. Boys, would you like to talk about it? Absolutely. So I can kick this off. Um, I'll just note that, yeah, obviously, these are all from the Blu-ray itself. It's not it's not really a film that, you know, posts some information online, but I'll start off by saying that Lorenzo talks about getting the news for Snake Eater 2. He goes on to say, so I was home from work one day, from Falcon Crest, actually, and I get the call from my agent, and he says to me, Lorenzo, you're not going to believe this. Well, they're doing another Snake Eater. Do you want to be a part of it? And I said, yes! I definitely want to do another snake eater. I definitely want to be a part of it. And I said, what is the deal? He said, well, they're going to wait for you to finish your season here on Falcon Crest, which is another three to four weeks. And then they're going to fly you right up to Montreal and you're going to start production. So I got up there, got checked into the four seasons, and that's when the fun began because it was like the first movie. Every day something was getting blown up or somebody was getting decapitated or even something bad was happening to somebody every day. And it was just like a continuation of this crazy calendar character Jack Kelly. That's awesome they waited for him to finish the season and then flew him up and everything. Like they were like we don't have a movie without him so. Who are you going to get? Just think. Yeah, exactly. One Jack Kelly. After these films we would get that amazing TV show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Lorenzo then talks about his character. He says George was wanting me to be as authentic as I can be with the character again. So he goes to me I want you to sit in that wheelchair Lorenzo. You're in that chair. That's where you just stay. In that chair you figure it out so i was in the chair all day and i learned how to pop wheelies and do all these spins and i think he incorporated a lot of that stuff into the movie have we ever seen a wheelchair jousting match in any other film I, on a rooftop too i don't think so no no, no don't, spoil, don't spoil my favorite scene <laughs> <laughs> more on that later <laughs> Lorenzo talks about the difference between Snake Eater 1 and 2. He states they were two different movies. The first movie was rural. It was like, let's establish this badass jungle cat and just that just kills bad people. And the second was really all about warfare, like the war on drugs, inner city, and that whole kind of vibe. It was really about how we were going to save these kids. And every bad guy in the movie was killing children. So I was like, that guy kills kids. He's going to die, and it's going to be ugly. Says nothing about the the extreme tonal shift that this one takes from the first film. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> nothing about yeah. that. <laughs> makes it sound a lot more grizzled than yeah. it is. <laughs> so, Lorenzo then discusses the sort of buddy cop scenario he has going on uh, with Speedboat during this film. He says, I loved it though, because it was the same character, but now he's teamed up with a character that has revenge on his mind. So you got Jack Kelly, kind of likes killing bad guys. You got Speedboat, who's out for blood, because they're killing people he loves so it's a great combustible dynamic between the two characters and i got along with larry scott i mean we were real friends like we would go out for dinner after shooting his performance i can't wait to talk about it speedboat yeah yeah speedboat's fun uh, so lorenzo on the film's premise he states i just knew that this was gonna be a different jack kelly snake eater because the first day of shooting i was in a wheelchair and it's like i was jousting with another dude in a wheelchair it's like okay we're in a different kind of mode here. This is a different feeling altogether than being in the jungle and doing Rambo stuff. This was less Rambo and more like Dirty Harry or Death Wish. You know, that kind of vibe. I was still the same guy. I still like killing bad guys, blowing up shit and kicking ass. Yeah, I was almost concerned when I was like, oh, I hope we still get traps. And then he does the traps. And then he keeps yeah. doing the traps. And I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> And every time he's done with one trap, it's like, all right, well, he's topped it all. He can't do it. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, I, like I said in the chat, 
Lorenzo uh, Soldier Kelly just retires from being a cop, gets cancer, and becomes Jigsaw. <laughs> becomes Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of blowing shit up, Lorenzo speaks about blowing shit up. Says, it was a really fun shoot. We did a lot of big pyrotechnics in that movie. George got a little bit more money. That meant the flames were going to be a little bit hotter. Things were going to blow up more. I remember this one scene where I toss a rolling TNT ball down a hallway <laughs> and it blows the door off the bad guys. But also, all the gasoline and the fumes from the gas everywhere. See, the gasoline doesn't burn. It's the fumes in the air that burns. That's what makes the flames. So it's not necessarily more gas that'll make more flame. It's more air and more heat that'll make more flame. George knew all about this shit. But he would tell myself and Larry just prior to rolling, guys, don't look, action. George never wanted us peeking around the corner because the corner was going to be where all the debris and the flames <laughs> were coming from. And it was so much fun. Fucking it. So Lorenzo talks about George directing these pyro shots. George would get pissed if we had to re-rig the set to do a pyro shot twice. So all the guys who were managing the pyro were all friends of his. They all worked together before. We would do rehearsal. We would also do a dry rehearsal. But when the cameras were rolling, he was pretty much convinced that that's the shot we're going to get. And he got it. We really didn't have to do those big explosions more than once. And those practical effects where the pipes are going through the car window, that was one take. Uh, we have one car. We have an hour to shoot this. There's no other car. There's no other hour. So all this stuff has got to work right now. That's insane that they got that in one take. Yeah. Like, that's actually Budget. crazy. Budget restrictions, hey? Right. So, Lorenzo talks about the director and the cinematographer relationship. says, I have great respect for Glenn. Glenn McPherson and George, I think, had a history together. They worked together before on other projects, so Glenn came to the job knowing exactly George's style. Pretty much knew what George wanted to see in Glenn's lens, which is such a time saver. If a director and his cameraman can have that kind of experience together, things are really going to run smoothly. And I noticed that right away. Even Glenn had a great sense of style as well, and George would let Glenn make make some of the shot choices as well. I mean, it was just a great collaboration between those two. So Lorenzo talks about his wife, and he goes on to say that there is one detail that I think I should mention about Snake 2. It's the fact that my ex-wife, Kathleen Kinmont, was playing a detective in Snake Eater 2. We were married at the time, and she was very gracious in joining our cast in Montreal. That's probably a detail that a lot of viewers don't know. Mm -hmm. So uh, Lorenzo then talks about the film's release says this time we kind of knew it was just gonna go straight to video <laughs> uh, they didn't promise or mention anything theatrical with this movie which is good so i didn't have to buy another ticket to watch a movie with five people like i did for snake one i was just waiting for it on video and it came out and i think they got maybe a little bit more attention domestically but again big big foreign market huge foreign market so it did well for him. And finally, we have Lorenzo talking about getting the news for Snake Eater 3. That's right, people. There is a Snake Eater 3, and I fucking love that one, probably the most. And he goes on to say, when we finished these movies, there was no talk of doing another one. It was sort of like, great, we got another chance to make a movie with this character. When I finished Snake 2, I wasn't thinking about Snake 3. I was probably even thinking less about Snake 3 than I was about Snake 2. And I guess that's the reflective in the fact that there was two years between Snake 2 and 3. I do remember I was very surprised when my agent told me that they wanted to do a third one. I was happy, but I was surprised it kind of came out of the blue for me. Well, that's all we have for additional information, boys. It's time. Let's talk about it! <laughs> So, favorite performance of the film, Brody. What do you got for us, buddy? Oh, well, I don't think. <laughs> oh, look, for me, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to go with Lorenzo. Of course. Um, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, one of us was going to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, of course, going to be me and my love for Mr. Lamas himself. But he, I don't really think he brings anything new across other than the fact he's got this little 
bit more uh, sense of a cheeky sense of humour, uh, like what we discussed about earlier, that comedic element that he can bring to it. It's, it's dry humour, like TJ said uh, before the show. And um, I just – look, I, I just love how he randomly knows where these dealers are and thinks it's a good idea, especially while being on suspension, to proceed in this vigilante justice aspect and kill the fucking Well, bad I think he was operating on the whole point that he made to Spiebel earlier, is like, I'm not Johnny Law this week, but next week I will be. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For now, I'm doing whatever the hell I want. Yeah, because I'm going on the yeah. pretense that I'll just be a cop again soon. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and that's what I, I love do? about it. Fire yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, and and that's and then that's the thing I love about it. Um, he he he's definitely got a fucking. Um, you could potentially say maybe a dark side to him. I don't know, but yeah, uh, I think it's kind of fun. And that and that's the humor. It's got that dark, dry sense of humor about it. Um, you know, the motherfucker gets stuck in the bag and just still keeps going in one scene, which is pretty badass. Um, I'll also add that, yeah, he definitely um, brings that same amount of fun over from the first film that I really enjoyed. Um, and, and, and just to have it all set in this concrete jungle aesthetic this time, and it's great to see unfold and what he's able to achieve with his traps this time. Um, I'll give a couple of honourable mentions to Sydney Glass. You know, the motherfucker be looking like the Terror Train mask. Um, and that sexually frustrated wheelchair announcer, Billy Ray, I think it was, talking about women's breasts, that... Yeah, he was an interesting character. He was the uh, like had- televangelist, like preacher. I love it. Dude that I had that. Yeah, he was yeah. going to be he, my honorable mention too. I was like, do props to the guy who played Billy Ray for being that just Brody nymphomaniac televangelist. Character. Do you remember Torchy from Jason Lives? Jason Lives is he at the start of the film with um, Tom Matthews' character? I is is that that guy? I think it is. I think he's the crazy. He oh, also plays fuck. a crazy guy in Jason Lives, who's at the beginning, who gets Jason punches through the chest. That's who. I, yeah, that's who I went straight to. Yeah, when I thought of the. Name. If it's either that uh, or uh, the paintball scene, but I wasn't sure. Oh fuck! I totally uh, forgot about that. I, I think it might be right. It'd be one of the two. Yeah. Do you guys remember him from the first movie? No. Is he in the first movie? Yeah. Torchy's in the first Snake Eater. He's the arsonist. He busts at the end of Snake Eater. What? In, the, in that factory <laughs> that when he's like going oh, in, what? And he busts. Him in there, yeah. No, that's, it's, it's him. <laughs> that's definitely a missed opportunity for this film. I didn't even know that was Brody. unless they're two separate characters. It was the same character. No, uh, no I, I mean, think he's as in the third movie saw, too, isn't he? As far as I saw, when doing the research for the movie, it's listed as like whenever he he's meeting all of his 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 new friends at the insane asylum, and it features Torchy, who he busts at the end of Snake Eater One. Damn, mm. and is Torchy and, in Snake Eater Three, Brody? That's a good question. I didn't even know he was. In the second one, because he's kind of like our, <laughs> he's like our Zeb. Yeah, oh. pretty much. He has his little cameo. Yeah, he has like That's his cool. own story going on in this. It's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might be misremembering or not, but I, I think there is a part where kind of where Lorenzo kind of looks at him, he's like, I, I know you from some, <laughs> from somewhere. I, I could have swore it while they're doing one of the group therapy sessions or something. He's like, you seem familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um. But even his monologues, like during some of the scenes, like it's it's just fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's probably my favorite performance. What about you, Slick Nick? Well, I would have to say my I do really like Larry Scott as Speedboat, and you are right about um, Torchy. I was right about Torchy. Okay, yes. that's what I thought. Uh, so I I really do uh, enjoy Larry Scott as Speedboat. I really like him as an almost sort of foil to Lamas to Soldiers. Just sort of no nonsense. These are bad guys, and we're just here to kill them. And it's just because it's the right thing to do. And Speedboat's like, no, fuck them. <laughs> it's because they're they're messing with like people that I care about. I'm kind of I'm gonna dude. I'm gonna have to fly off the handle. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna have to do it. And that sort of first um, interaction that they have with whenever he takes out that first drug den, and Speedboat comes up. Well, oh shit! Well, you did my job for me. Uh, well, hell. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> whenever they almost shoot each other and have to stop, he's like, "Oh, well, hell, man. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, cool. Well, I'm gonna let you catch the heat for this. I'll, I'll see you later." <laughs> and then pills back up. I don't know. It's kind I of just like his character. It's an extra added layer of like fun, and I think it works as uh, as just in addition to Soldier's character. You were saying, Brady? Oh, no, it was just funny what you pointed out there because. 
when he's he sort of backstabs him like, well, you you you've got it. I'm just going to bail. And as yeah. soldier turns around, he's still got the knife in his fucking back. So yeah. it's kind of a um yeah a little homage there. I thought it was actually pretty cool. That yeah, yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that at first too. That is kind of a really cool little point. But uh yeah, TJ, what was uh what was yours? Okay, so I'm gonna. Conclude our Torchy conversation. Torchy's not in Snake Eater 3, but Snake Eater 3 has a character named Goose, who is portrayed by one of my favorite professional wrestlers, Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, he he, no shit. He'd be the man with the tattoo head. Yeah. Yep. He's the lead bikey villain in the next one, and Lorenzo goes up against him. It's fucking great. Yes. Uh, so I'm Bam, excited Bam for that. Bigelow's in the- oh my god! I am- oh, I'm so happy now. Yes. <laughs> major- and, and I watched Major. Sorry to sidebar, but he- yeah. I was watching Major Pain the other day, and I didn't. I fucking forgot that he was in Major Pain yeah. as the bikey. So maybe it's the same bikey from the same right? universe. I don't Dude, fucking know. There I know. had that VHS growing up. I've seen Major Pain probably a million times, and I don't think did I Nick Castle direct that. Yes. 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 I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, who was the bloke that wrote it? Fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, Jason goes to hell. Writer. Oh, Dean Laurie. Yeah, he wrote it. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. Okay, man. I love Major Pain. Uh, oh, yeah. anyway, for performance here, I will have to go with. Of course, Lorenzo. Prior to the show, we had a little conversation, and while I was watching, we had a conversation in the chat. So I'll just kind of bring it up here. Uh, mm-hmm. I got Fletch vibes from Lorenzo's performance in this film because of the way he delivers mm-hmm. things. It's kind of like that that cold comedy type thing, and that you know Chevy Chase does really good, but. Lorenzo Lamas does really well too. And I think uh, a scene that I thought we would never see up up done, especially once we did Carl's Kinski special when we watched Crawl Space together. Mm-hmm. I like I never thought we'd see a cooler air duck scene. And then we got the whore and the pizza <laughs> guy. And Lorenzo's no shit response had me in stitches. So I it just that type of comedy works super well. But my pick for best performance has to go to Speedboat and Larry B. Scott. Now, it is a complete contrast, and it's the other end of the spectrum, to his gay character on Revenge of the Nerds. I grew up loving those movies. The first two movies are fucking amazing. I just, so many nostalgia memories about that. The way he does his comedy is so almost Eddie Murphy-esque in delivery, but he makes it his own because it's, he has his own type of character in delivery. It's, it's, it's interesting. I would say it's similar to, it's not the same as, it's similar to like Chris Tucker in like Rush Hour almost. Okay. It's got the same sort of quality to it. He just puts little touches on things and like scenes like whenever Lorenzo's working out and he walks in and he just doesn't want to stand there while and talk to the guy while he's working out so he starts doing squats too <laughs> i i thought that was so fucking funny because i was like oh my god how many times have you encountered that we walk in somebody's doing something and you feel awkward because they're out they're like they're tr- like doing a lot of work and you're just standing there like <laughs> the exact opposite of that happens in oz a lot where one character will be talking to someone while they're working out in the yard or something and they're like talking about how they're going to kill another prisoner and they're just sitting there while this person's just doing like squat thrusts <laughs> it's just really awkward to watch and i think another scene that would be good to mention would be like whenever he's going through as the fake health inspectors and he takes the bribe from the guy says yeah fine but don't tell the other guy oh my god it's just the subtle little <laughs> stuff like that and the way he delivers and the way he stays calm faced and everything and then he also is able to do the action stuff and i never would have thought in a million years from his performance in the revenge of the nerds films that he was also able to do this smooth talking quick witted character like speedboat in like this b action movie type thing it's awesome it's rad and i hope we see more of him as we dive deeper into these straight to video movies for sure hell yes hell yes indeed boys we got some interesting set pieces in this film i love that fucking the drug lord's mansion that was really fucking cool uh i was confused by the layout so fucking hard a little yeah (laughs) didn't know what was going on there what was that room like in the middle and everything else surrounded it and that was like sealed seemed to me like there was a big like circular staircase that yeah that, that went up the one that yeah uh speedboat whenever they like smoke the guy out of the utility closet with the homemade bomb and he comes out on fire and speedboat like kicks him down the stairs he's rolling back down (laughs) there's like it i think that like goes up to sort of the main like landing and then i think just down the hall from that like utility closet Mm -hmm. sort of to camera left is where that sort of conference room 
is oh, that they okay. have that's towards the end, and then they were just sort of but the conference ra- like wrapped off. around it. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, except for you know, we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> the the, <vent. laughs> the duck work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that was sort of the best I could make out of the layout was it yeah. like it's above the main foyer that comes in you go to the back of the house then go up a spiral and then the rest is just kind of back behind it mm. so to me it felt like um they shot the exterior of like a fucking um scarface mansion and, just and then they had the, the, the interior, <laughs> yeah, the, interior of, like, the smallest fucking double story bed uh the house like yeah it was weird and the conference room to the left it just i don't know it was yeah, I have to agree. It was fucking weird. <laughs> the cool more that I think about it now, it's like, like you got a yeah. random conference room down the end of the hall. <laughs> and they could hear all of this. They could hear these explosions yeah. going on right next door. All happening yeah. in the hallway right outside. <laughs> like, because it's like, it's such a weird position for the, the staircase to go up because it doesn't go like up and then it comes back to a landing in the center of the mansion or something like from say uh what would have been dead kids i think mm-hmm. had that it, like it doesn't do that it's it comes up off kilter asymmetrical like to the right side so you come up the landing and then there's like a bedroom to the right and then you walk down this long ass hallway past all these bodies and the utility closet to just get <laughs> to the conference room at the end which i think is at a 90 degree angle to the hallway too like you don't open it and it's it's the whole thing's weird. Caddy Wampus, too. It's all very I think weird. what Brody said is pretty accurate, how we probably got some exterior shots of some yeah. LA house, and then the rest is interior stage work. You know, where Argento does it on purpose to make it like night- nightmarish and dreamlike, this guy's like, it's we just can't afford it. We just can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> it's disorienting. It keeps you on your toes. You're like, where yeah, that, That's what they, they were have... going for. It's disorienting. <laughs> yeah. It's disorienting. Yeah. It was an artistic choice. I'm yes. sure. <laughs> what the fuck, man? You told me we're safe here. <laughs> <laughs> Brody, uh, any sets that stick out other than the absurd mansion set piece? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to pick the old uh, mental hospital. Oh, dude. You know, I just. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What just, just for movies with mental hospitals? Not though? as cool as the Bad Dreams <laughs> Mental Hospital, though. I'd have nah, to say. Far from it. Far from it. We got a Slayer but- song in that one. <laughs> Yeah, we did. Yeah, we fucking did. <laughs> yeah, we fucking did. Raining motherfucking blood. Um, yeah, look, like um, Mental Hospital, I'm intrigued by them. I love the whole old school gothic aesthetic that just, it, it's very morbid, but yet somewhat looks great on camera, especially the wide shots of the long corridor. You've got that fucking daylight coming in through the big ass windows. It just really shines and brightens the place up. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was really hard to actually think about, um, you know, if yeah, I actually struggle to think for this. Yeah, other than that, it'd be the mental hospital or the fucking house for me, the whack house. There isn't a lot of set pieces in this movie. Not like overall, there's not a ton, no, I would say. Really. Wait, uh, can I, I mean, mention one that might jog your memory? The ah, Italian okay. fucking restaurant. Restaurant, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that scene was actually <laughs> lit pretty damn fucking well. Yeah, that actually felt like an actual restaurant. Move like movies and TV shows usually are not good, but it that. felt it's like a mob hangout because like it yeah. was all dark and shit yeah. inside. And it's like, yeah, yeah. we're turning yeah. the lights down low. We're gonna do some really shady shit in here. <laughs> it was almost like you were about to watch Al Pacino blow those two guys' <laughs> yeah. brains out in the first Godfather movie. Yeah, like that sort of <laughs> when yeah. Speedboat jumps up to see inside the fucking window after he blows up, and he he keeps doing it. <laughs> And then Soldier has to walk back. He's like, come on, stop. Okay, so. Brody, how overall... much, how hard did you laugh at the laxatives? Just. The... Oh, I... Well, I'm a bit to talk about that in the. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> Good ahead of ourselves. Good okay, fair enough. <laughs> Nick? So, um, the, the, this somewhat bleeds a little bit into my favorite scene part. But how many times are you going to see patients of a mental hospital? Build their own makeshift <laughs> WWE friggin' wrestling ring for guys in wheelchairs <laughs> to essentially joust on on like this flat sort of stage. Would that be a heli pad for the I, mental patients, or when it got to it, I. I t- couldn't figure out if it was like a helipad or they put something over it, but it just, it almost, it almost gave me Turbo Kid vibes. How like the, the put funny was it when, the when they took down the hand railing and they're like, why are they taking that down so you don't get hurt on <laughs> <laughs> it makes I, I guess you know 
people could probably I won't say it outright, but people could probably guess what my favorite scene is now. But like, I just yeah. love that they added that much extra little detail to like give it some flair well, and just a bit though. of like fair enough, fair enough. So. I do really like that they sort of built that out to give it this extra character and it just kind of like almost makes a root for just all of the people that he's in the asylum with because you know he's not necessarily there voluntarily so to speak because it's almost you know his lawyer's just like don't worry buddy I'll keep you out of prison Which, we plead insanity and he's like Wait, did, whoa 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 the question is <laughs> did Speedboat beat him up mm. or did he just rob him and how did he get his clothes did he get his clothes or did he just steal his wallet I think it's one of those artistic up to your interpretation. Okay. Because <laughs> all, all he says you, is ripped them off. So that could be yeah. a plethora of things. Uh, you come to your own conclusions. Okay. You decide <laughs> who Speedboat <laughs> is. Uh, I mean, I, don't know, I just, I really like, I don't know, just how they, they sort of set dressed that rooftop just, mm -hmm. well, you know what? We're leaning into the comedy. We're leaning into how over the top this is. Why Why are you giving me this? Oh, because he has one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's just, but which is, it's kind of how I got that little bit of Turbo Kid vibe. Just yeah. a little, just a little bit. So I really like whenever they add that, sort. they take that sort of extra step, they go that extra mile um, and they just sort of gave all of these, what normally would have been extras, just that little extra bit of character and it makes you like them just a little bit more. Even well, one could like, what the unequivocally say this is the scene that led Fincher down that led Fincher to Fight Club like just <laughs> very well <laughs> imagine that <laughs> it, it would be incredible if it was <laughs> he's like you know I was watching Snake Eater 2 in the early 90s at and I thought what if we put Jared Leto in that and then I came out and then Fight Club <laughs> I honestly don't know why but this just sort of come to my head that it's completely off fucking subject but there was a thing on Instagram of directors or actors like high profile actors directors like discussing their favorite films and it got to Christian Bale and it was like Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> really? And I, was like, I was like, if that is fucking true, that is the best thing I have seen. Yes, right? That's that was what he was awesome. thinking the entire time doing yeah. Dark Knight. <laughs> he was like, oh, Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh, Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> but I don't think I've mentioned this already, but uh, Brody, they gave the, this film the predator treatment. The first film we were in the jungle and the second film we're in the city. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's amazing. And there's a little bit more comedy in this one. <laughs> I, need, I need Snake Eater versus Alien. <laughs> Soldier first. I need to Brother. see Lorenzo Lamas kill a xenomorph. I need this now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess to finish mine, my, my favorite scene is probably that rooftop, that rooftop <laughs> just wheelchair joust. How many fucking times are you going to see a rooftop metal patient wheelchair joust in a movie that's about stopping drug lore? <laughs> like, it's just, it's amazing. It's wild. And I think it's my favorite part of the fact that they leaned into the comedy from the first one. And they just went, well, fuck it. Let's let's go. Yeah. We got the sequel. Let's just have fun with the sequel. It's going to be straight to video. There's no promise of this being theatrical. It doesn't but need to be a high class. The interesting thing you said earlier, fun. but the interesting thing you said earlier is Chris Tucker. You you said Chris Tucker. Yeah. This is yeah, the yeah. buddy cop comedy thing. Yeah. Just like that. It, it, it's like Rush exactly. Hour before Rush Hour. Yes. Yes. It, like it, it gives off pretty hard Rush Hour vibes. But yeah. Okay. So I would say that is probably my favorite scene is is the rooftop wheelchair joust. It's just, it almost feels out of nowhere if it weren't for the, <laughs> you just saw a, a groupie and <laughs> a Domino's pizza guy crawling through a vent to break into a mental hospital as soldiers like, oh, well, good day then. <laughs> just as he makes his escape. Anyway, that is probably mine. Brody, what was your favorite scene? Well, well, well. My favorite scene was the Italian mob boss, whatever the fuck he was, takes a shit and full on blows up due to a bomb that Kelly is wired up to the toilet. But what I like about that scene the most, it's probably mainly the shot we get. We get this exterior shot, you know, of Kelly <laughs> yeah. and Speedboat patiently waiting for the bomb to go off and the dialogue and the conversation they have is fucking hilarious. And when it does, you know, they don't skip on the explosive, so it's very over the top, very humorous scene. And um, like TJ said, he's like jumping up the seat of the window like a little kid in a candy store, getting all excited. Um, but it has this dark comedic um, feeling about it as well um, and it looks great I'm pretty sure you just might be able to tell me do you think that this scene 
uh, inspired Lethal Weapon Two scene, oh. or did this come out after? Did this come out after or before? I can't remember. Shit, I, didn't I was look about it up. to say when did Lethal Weapon Two come out? Was it eighty nine or ninety? Did this do it first? But that whole conversation between the two waiting for the bomb to go off is, is fucking great stuff. The block, even the blocking of that scene as well with the character dialogue, it's just like so fucking on point, and and that's what obviously helps deliver the humorous. Mm-hmm. Uh, scene. Um, I've got a couple of on- honourable mentions. I'll just quickly throw out there to jog your memories. Uh, the wheelchair scene, obviously, looked like Bob Seger riding around on the fucking uh, wheelchair. <laughs> um, uh, fucking, you know, one of the loonies actually has an invisible pet when he walks out the door. And oh he's my just got god! Lorenzo looking at him. <laughs> oh, I was fucking pissing myself. <laughs> what were the rules um, for fire poker? Does anybody remember? Ooh. Oh, there's a scene where, um, where the uh, Torchy explains like a card game that's on fire. Like whenever he puts the cards in the fire when he's done. Oh, oh yes, oh, I do remember oh. that scene. Yeah. Uh. Oh, quick mention. Sorry, quick mention. Speedboat's van. You dump, we pump. <laughs> that, that was, was incredible. That was awesome. What part of inconspicuous <laughs> do you not understand? <laughs> oh, what, kind of you, what kind of card do you draft? What kind of cars do you like, baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a Porsche. <laughs> that actually reminds me. So, TJ, I know you have watched this show as well. And this is, it's a quick aside. It's its a little bit off topic, but the pump and dump <laughs> reminded me because it's very much like this show. Um, you know how on Always Sunny, Mac and Dennis are always <laughs> fighting over that duster jacket at like all times. And even the episode where Mac and Charlie fake their deaths, they put in the will that he's supposed to burn the duster. And he's like, well, I'm not, well, I'm not going to burn the goddamn duster. I'm not going to burn the duster. No, the duster is cool. In, <laughs> in, the the podcast for the show they did like a little newlyweds game type thing about how close they are with friends like how the, what they can remember about each other and one of the questions was what is the purpose of that duster based off of like what actor is mac trying to go for in it and it's it's fucking it's lorenzo lamont <laughs> <laughs> it's straight up basically supposed to be a parody of the snake eater movies yeah and the damn pump and dump like put we're supposed to be inconspicuous, you idiot. Just yeah. immediate, it just immediately reminded me of that. I heard that like the <laughs> other week, and I was like, oh, "Fuck, I have to tell the boys." <laughs> uh, Pump and dump was actually the name of my gas station and waste removal service. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Such a dad joke. Such a dad joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't figure I wasn't going to say anything. I was waiting yeah. for you to say. I was like, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so for my favorite scene, uh, I want to say I agree with Brody because that Italian scene's awesome. But anything mm-hmm. after they save Speedboat from that angry looking troll dude which i swear i've seen him in something else before but i can't remember i i think that's so fucking funny and when they start dumping the drugs in the ventilation system and they just keep going and going and going and then when you think they're done they start grabbing barrels and start dumping it in and there's just this really prolonged sequence of these people just dying from cocaine overdoses And I did watch this high. with a couple of friends as well who were like, is that, are they just, is that just code? What, what the hell is that? Ha- what is happening? And then it followed up by the sequence at the end when he's like, don't go in there. And then we're greeted by like the stiff body covered in coke falling on him. And then yeah. the girl comes up, Kathleen Kinema comes up and he's like, trust, don't go in there. I just thought that was so fucking funny. And it's so well done and edited. Like, you just couldn't have gotten any better than that. Uh, it was a great ending to a really fucking batshit insane movie. Which, it wasn't just cocaine. That was, They basically... They, they Rat poison, right? Retributed them. They killed them with their own poison yeah. supply of drugs. Yeah. yeah. Never get high on your own supply. That's the Ten Crack Commandments! Uh, <laughs> okay, that will transition to our favorite effect and our death. <laughs> Oh, fuck. So I think I just said my favorite death. Uh, in effect, it is the fucking sealed off room with the OD of coke and <laughs> just the constant powdering and the dudes having to sell death in there. Mm-hmm. And of course, Brody, the laxative bomb is just too damn cool. Right. 
But the, come on, the jigsaw comparison. Come on, it's, it's really good. It's so, it's so much more intricate than it needs. Same time, I'm like, God, I'm so glad they're doing. It. <laughs> Whoever he's, he is, he's got a pretty fucked up sense of humor. <laughs> wiring up his fucking toilet to kill him and slipping him a laxative, so he has to. <laughs> he Elvis him so hard. I like how he saves Speedboat just to watch the fucking dude get himself just harpooned in the chest by this giant. Yeah, contraption yeah. that he put in this that fucking one. alleyway. Wow. All right. I guess transition. I mean, that had to be my favorite. He, <laughs> he, he literally just spears the guy through his windshield, <laughs> which is whenever I'm driving behind a truck loaded with logs or something yeah. on the highway is already my biggest fear. Thanks for my investigation, <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. That movie fucked me up. <laughs> like, just seeing it put in action as a big jigsaw trap like that that takes up, like, an entire alley during another, like, whole other scene in the middle of that. It's just such a cool, like, death. I, I had the honorable mention to the, the snowing in... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, the mob bosses with all the tainted cocaine into that room because that was amazing. It took me a second to kind of figure out what the hell was going on. The fact that he was like frozen like that, but it it just it's over the top and it's hey. crazy and it just makes it that much better. Did we ever see Speedboat's sister leave the second time? I don't recall seeing her. <laughs> right, because we see her come. They have interesting. They bang. He's, he's <laughs> he, he slaps her. Right, and then the second time we see yeah. her come up the elevator, but we don't think we ever see her leave. Uh, just a continuity uh, error maybe yeah I, I think it's probably meant to like be intended like she, she's gone <laughs> she's, she, she left, left. Yeah. she's definitely she not left. there while all that's going on no in the other room no um i will say though for effects wise i'm glad that he mentioned uh lorenzo did the pyrotechnics that they just mm -hmm. like went off insane. with insane pyrotechnics are fucking awesome specifically the toilet bomb external scene that brody mentioned yes. of them standing outside in the alleyway when the toilet bomb goes what off, about the blows double... out the window and has the fireball like what does he put on the grenade oh. during the bomb the hallway sequence where he throws the two grenades one to blow the door one to blow the guys does he does he not put something on to kind of delay it from going off initially yeah. so he can is, more or less roll it is? through the i think so i think it's like clipping the uh uh the lever and i think something that, that made that down. scene like super extra cool is at the second grenade he throws he quickly throws it and the guy pops a shot shot off right after he throws it and they actually put yeah. that in so like he, the guy actually reacted to him. And I was like, oh, okay. So there's a sense of realism there. Yeah, which is always cool to see, especially sure. when like little little notes like that in a movie that's going over the top. Cool. It's like we really appreciate it. Like uh, Lorenzo checking the urinal for flushing and standing there watching the whole thing flush <laughs> and making the guy stand there with him during the inspection. <laughs> <laughs> that has anything to do with that pretty, pretty damn good boys uh anything else brody fact death uh yeah look i'll i'll mention for my effect um i did like the whole fire extinguisher slash flamethrower scene it was actually pretty fucking hilarious when you think about it because the stunt guy basically waited in the edit to be caught on fire and then starts running around i mean they could have like cut a fuck ton of that scene to make it look like it happened instantaneously um all in the performance of that scene you know really makes it fucking funny um uh i mean it's it's just done in this one take are you so talking about where they funny. hand the uh yeah. fire extinguisher off and they put it in the back and they spray that line of fuel yeah. okay yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah so yeah, cool which yes. here's a question bro i should have honorable mentioned that for my scene i loved that setup of what's cooler that setup or that. the nail floor from the first movie no i, I love the nail floor that, that's, probably, that's <laughs> still, really I d that okay. is still my favorite fucking effect out of the yeah. whole entire franchise to this day uh, that's what sold me on this from the word go when he smacks the, he's got like a cigar in his mouth and he smacks uh, the floor yeah. oh it's so fucking good he's got I, no shirt on he's like it is i think i have to yes. go with the 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 fake fire extinguishers trailing fuel and then lighting it from the outside thank you for reminding me that one. about my favorite shot brody that i've completely forgot to mention it the scene where they swap out the fake soldier in his bedroom and we get that yes. awesome noir shot yes. of him in his arm <laughs> yes. in the room and he puts down the thing and he's sitting there and it's just so noir as fuck and i'm just like yeah it's so yeah. fucking cool <laughs> yeah uh, yeah um oh and death i guess be like I'll, I'll got to appreciate this scene and what they're able to achieve with it because apparently this was also done in one take and that was the pimp in the car getting kebabbed oh. i like that yeah just sort of come okay. down and just fucking yeah. pole drives him straight through the fucking window it's great i'm shit. telling you man <laughs> What other yeah. movie did we see a person javelin in like that? 
fucking crawl space. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it's got so, me thinking another film, but I can't fucking put my hand on it. Um, I know we get, get kind of one in Freddy. We? we get one in Freddy's Dead. Oh, that's a. No, oh, no, any no, Aliens that's, that's movie. A, they get stabbed in the back and lifted up. Any Halloween movie where no, they're in a hospital. Yeah. They get stabbed in the back and lifted up. Halloween H2O. Uh, Jamie, Curt- uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's. Uh, Boyfriend mm-hmm. gets stabbed in the back, lifted up like that. Uh, I'll, I'll Jason just, goes to hell. Jason goes to hell. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we fuck. could we could do yeah. this for days. <laughs> oh yeah, no people people get stabbed and lifted in a lot of movies. Fuck <laughs> like it. Chainsaw Massacre. You yes. know, a hook pulled up. <laughs> Thoughts on story, boys. This took me by complete surprise but like i said it, they they pulled a predator they took us from the jungle to the city uh the concrete jungle as Brody referenced earlier uh it's <laughs> fucking awesome i love the comedic touch here first one was an action thriller this one's an action comedy and i i think it hits all the notes where it needs to brody yeah absolutely um i mean it's what you'd expect for a sequel to snake eater just um i mean it's safe to say that it is ridiculous, but it is somewhat entertaining at, at the most part. And it's just a fun time to sit back and suss a film out like this. You can have so much fucking fun with it. Um, yeah, Kelly, Kelly jumping in and out of a mental hospital while killing drug dealers. I mean, what's not to like about that? Right. And, uh, and the body, the buddy cop esque element to it, um, is a homage to obviously some fantastic fucking film, action films over the years, but it actually works. And it's the friendship between the two characters that helps drive it home um i will say for me personally it's probably my least favorite out of the three but i still love this film so much yeah i just i just love the third film a lot um but that's just that's just me i still love this film though i fucking i love it for what it is and yeah bet you nick fair enough yeah so um i feel like especially at the time that it came out it's sort of like the natural progression of where it probably would have gone uh that like really early 90s i think this was 1990 when this one came out um yes Yes, because I, earlier when you mentioned the Lethal Weapon 2 thing, by the way, Lethal Weapon 2 beat this out by one year. Ooh. 89, this came out in 1990. <laughs> uh, so like that sort of um, very beginning in the 90s, late 80s, uh, the the war on drugs going into full swing, um, that kind of thing it is almost sort of like natural that this is where it would kind of pivot to, but that they didn't go super dark with it. They didn't go dread, like Judge Dread almost with it or so like of, of the time. They went light and they went buddy cop and they did the rush hour before rush hour and I really like that they leaned as hard as they did into the comedy because they were like look this is a direct-to-video action movie it is a sequel to a movie that was already somewhat over the top King turns a fucking motorbike into a jet ski in the first one let's just have fun (laughs) let's just have fun with this let's make the story to where they have a meaningful reason to do it let's not just make it you know a complete just toss away story or anything it is still really cool to sort of watch Soldier, who in the first movie was on his revenge mission to save his sister, now he's helping his buddy cop on his revenge mission to get back at the people who mess with the people that he cares about. And it feels like a natural progression of Soldier's character, while they're also exploring the more comedic elements and things like that. And that's what I think I really like about the story with this particular one. But yeah, I think that's that's really about as much as, as I've got to say on that. I just think it's a natural progression of the first one i think it went in all the right directions really it's cool it's cool to see soldier join the war on drugs because if there's anybody yeah. that can help clean up the mean streets it's fucking soldier kelly man as, oh, yeah fucking yes as brian wilde sings soldier you know uh, <laughs> could only uh, could only get better if it had a a, a van chase uh scanners shotguns <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> i feel like it was i love how, I, I love the fact that they still use the same theme from the first one and it's like soldier where's your sister well she's safe that we know that's she's like, at home it's gonna have to do with this fucking film. they, they should have made a, a just one little different it should have just said speedboat where's your sister that's all, that's all they should have said speedboat where's your where's sister, sister? <laughs> literally where did your sister go on that one fucking scene we didn't say that. where is she for the rest of the film <laughs> We'll never find out, but impacted takeaways. What I'll take away from this is, fuck, I'm happy it got a third film. Can't wait to review that and watch that film. But thank you for recommending this, bro. 
Cody. I don't think I've ever would have ever mm-hmm. watched the Snake Eater films without this show. So super cool. No worries. Impact. Uh, Lorenzo back at it again with one of his awesome films, and he doesn't do a lot of franchise other than uh, what's the what Gladiator Cop? I think he does, or it's called The Swordsman or something like that. Yeah, I think yes. it's Wonder Sequel. Yeah, yeah, I The think, Swordsman. I think You're that's right. that's the other franchise that he has other than renegade which is his tv show which we mentioned earlier. unless you count wasn't yeah, he in like a soap opera as well yes oh, like Chris. he was a tv actor yeah. So, yeah. but it's cool to see him do this comedy stuff like i like i said earlier almost fletch-esque mm. it's just so fucking well done and he's like like brody said it's still the same soldier that we get in the first movie but he's just a little slightly more light-hearted here he doesn't take things as seriously granted his sister's not stolen by a bunch of rednecks and might not get raped in the next 30 seconds like he's every not the one the where he's got the most on the line where he's yeah. got the most to care about in this he's like yeah i'll help i'll help my buddy like take this all down for, i think for them. the biggest but. detriment to this film and where it's going to lose points for me is the shit editing it really shows yeah that uh it is a straight to video uh brody mentioned it earlier and i kind of was joking about earlier uh like the, the poor set design and the thought that went into it and i was like you know where dario argento did it on purpose they kind of were had to do it here because of budget, budget restrictions. restrictions yeah uh i would love to see lorenzo get like a big budget like tom cruise-esque movie but again what never never happened could have what a should i get a four baby snake yeah. a four right but like i've also brought this up on on past films as well is like so sometimes adding that level of restriction forces yes. creativity like i think i mentioned i can't remember specifically which film we were it's talking just about but like the first silent film? hill game like got the atmosphere it did because and i totally understand that and sometimes that works and sometimes that works it's just and sometimes it does when we're being critical here as good as this film is i'm trying to nitpick of what could be better so like at times it no, feels fair. it feels like it's a straight to video film. Like I said, yeah. like the editing, maybe some of the other actors that we haven't praised aren't top tier. Like uh, Soldier's part at the beginning that gets he's not oh yeah super premium. And I honestly don't think Kathleen Kinnamont's super premium here yet. She's really not coming into her own as an actress. She's just kind of here because she's Lorenzo's lover in real life at this point. That's just what, what I'm feeling. Uh, right. So I, yeah, if it's gonna lose points and it's not gonna be a perfect film, it's because of those things for me guys yeah no and so i i wasn't saying i wasn't saying that i was like well no restrictions make it better it's just that's that's sometimes to the people the who are gonna send us messages yes yeah that's gonna be to the people who sometimes send us messages or something would be like well didn't nick say like a few episodes ago that restrictions make things better and so like it's just, it, so yeah sometimes they do sometimes they don't it's not always perfect sometimes budgetary restrictions and things can lead to extra creativity and things like yeah. that sometimes it can drag things down a little bit i think in this particular instance those budgetary restrictions did drag things down a little bit because it just kind of it made things a little bit messier it made things a little less easier to understand that which... editing at the beginning was atrocious we have to be honest with ourselves Fuck. <laughs> yeah, like what's going <laughs> yeah. on and we're like we're like we're missing people leaving scenes sometimes and it's just yeah so it, it's not a perfect movie i would agree with Brody that one is better than two. Mm-hmm. I do like the way that they approached going with the comedy aspect and everything. I don't think it that alone was enough to make it a better film than the first one. Um, I it's like where the second in my one mind went than the first film. You know what I mean? Like the first film's an action thriller, and you actually feel some tension with for... slight comedy elements. I, this I, is an I action feel, comedy. Dude. I, maybe I need to rewatch the first one. I didn't feel like there was much comedy at all in the first one. Aside from King made his motorcycle into yeah, a yeah. things like like just I mean, stuff like yeah. that. They're thinking outside the box there, yeah. And it comes off comedic, but realistically, when they were filming it, I bet you they were like, "Fuck, this is actually bad. This is going to be you know, badass. Like, it's just yeah. fucking See, superior." I didn't take that as as funny in the first movie, and like I, I'm sure in our review I did because it was ridiculous. But like that's on par with the character of the guy who just made like a nail floor to fuck with some dudes. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, he's yeah. he's going to use what he has to him to make what he needs. He's the MacGyver yeah. of B-movie action stars. And because they kept with the sort of the traps and the MacGyverisms in this movie, but then they also added in things like Soldier crawling through the vents and coming across the chick sneaking is, into is the that guy's room. influence from Die Hard? All of that. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. At all. I, I couldn't be sure. I mean, the 80s and 90s had a lot of a lot of dudes crawling through vents <laughs> and things. Um, but yeah, I, I think it just it feels a lot more comedic in this because they did up that up that ante a little bit buddy cop um, with the ridiculousness and they put in the buddy cop feel and everything and i can see yeah how it would 
feel too different as compared to the first one. I you know what this is more like of... forty eight hours. This is more like forty eight hours than it is rush hour because one's a criminal, one's a cop. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just has that sort of it, it's it's just Scott bringing the Chris Tucker yeah, energy for damn that, sure that has the re- the rush hour feeling. To he has it. the flamboyancy yeah. to him. Yeah, but yeah, I think I've think I've given all mine. Brody, do you have anything else? You uh... um yeah, just saying with the editing there earlier um it kind of makes you actually realize because yeah it, it, it is so fucking many well not so many but there is some poor choices in this film that really uh even i was thinking of elaborating on but not to try and bore you too much it kind of made me wonder whether it, it was the editing or did the cinematographer and director just sort of cut those scenes short so there's a bit of mm. you know maybe they didn't get to film some of these scenes that actually make it the next part of the film you know um and and the editor only could work with what he had so we actually don't know but i will stay uh, say in the editing for the visual aspect but when we get those checkered fucking transitions like they, they just yeah. horrendous it looks so <laughs> yeah. they've just paid a fucking student from school to do it and that's probably the biggest downfall for me is the editing but like i said we don't really know what went on with the director and the editor and all that so it could have been either shot or not and then the editor had to work with what he had but I will just say my takeaway for this film is obviously, you know, not to be taken seriously. They obviously had fun making it, like Lorenzo said. Mm. Um, and you can definitely tell it was made with love from a small budget. And it's great to hear Lorenzo say, yeah, that everyone was on board and enthusiastic about it, um, including himself. And I'm actually, you know, glad we got a third because that's my favorite of the franchise, like I said. And I actually can't wait to talk about that one because it feels like they've even mm. developed a lot more love into that and yeah so i still think yeah this is a great film nonetheless um for what it is and it's like any film we can nitpick with whatever it is but yeah i mean what to expect with a film like this as well um i think it's great i think it's great so yeah so boys let's rate this movie in this week's rating is short fused high powered x commanders with a thirst for violent justice out of five brody it's your pick start us off Ooh, you've really put me on the spot here i'm gonna go with an even three okay Fair enough. Slick Nick. I am going to go with a 2.6. I'm going to go with a 3.2, and that is an LCE score of 2.9 short-fused high-powered X-Commandos with a thirst for violent justice out of 5 for Snake Eater 2, the drug buster. Brody? Thanks for showing us this film. It was a fun one. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a perfect film, but it was entertaining as a motherfucker. And that's all I could have hoped for, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Damn sure. Indeed. So, next week, we have one of my picks, and I'm excited to finally do another Sergio Corbucci film, and that is The Great Silence, featuring one of our favorite actors, Klaus Kinski. Yay! I'm hyped. 1968, right? Yes. Mm. I'm hyped to finally do a winter western with you guys, and especially a horror one. Um, yeah! That's what I'm excited for. Yeah. I know you guys really enjoyed uh, Ingo God said to Kane, so uh, another Kinski Western should uh, suit the palette pretty well. <laughs> Indeed. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. But until then, boys, it was a pleasure. It was a doozy. Thank you for listening to your favorite podcast about exploitation films. This has been the pod boss, TJ Bowser. Set it off. This is your DKB all the way from the down under saying, I'll catch you motherfuckers next week. Slickless Nicholas slipping out for the week. Good to talk to you all again. Love you. All those moments will be lost in time.